This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel 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 it. Dr. Ryan Wagner joins us on the COVID report at this time to help us unpack the ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has adversely impacted the elderly. Dr. Wagner, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID report at this time. As a starting point to our discussion, how is interpersonal interaction, particularly social contact and social support associated with cognitive function in a cohort of older rural South African adults? Thank you so much for um, inviting me. Um, So globally, we know that um, social interaction is important um, for cognition, um, especially as we age. So physiologically, as we age, we know that um, cognitively there is a decline that happens. And what's been shown in studies around the world and what we've actually found in rural Pumalanga as well is that social interaction, the interactions that we have with the people around us can be protective um, against some of that cognitive decline. And so this work that was undertaken at the uh, Medical Research Council, South Africa, WITS, uh, Rural Public Health and Health Transitions Unit, looking at older people really set out to, to answer this question. And our findings are in line with uh, what we've seen globally, that again being that uh, social interaction and social connection is important um, as people age for, for their cognitive health. According to your research and the observations you've made, when we consider those of the elderly community who've been impacted by this lockdown in terms of their ability to work and earn, and since the elderly are frequently looked at to support children financially, including their own adult children, this in part to the uh, high unemployment rate that pre-existed COVID-19 and this pandemic, what does the lockdown mean for these households where the elderly have been affected this way? So that's a great question, Gamalise. Um, and, and obviously, as one would expect, households that depend on older individuals, um, you know, would potentially be in a more vulnerable position during this COVID situation. One of the interesting things that we see in the population in which we work and study, and we have for the last 25 years, is that there's a lot of migration. You know, as anybody who's from rural South Africa or has spent considerable time there would recognize, there's a lot of uh, migration to larger urban areas. And so, in fact, you know, upwards of 50, 60% of of younger kind of work age people in our study site are, are migrating. So as you rightly point out, Gamalise, a lot of these households are dependent on, on these older folks. And so obviously, you know, if these older folks are struggling at all to, to get to pension points and, and, and get, their, get their pension money, or if those remittances aren't coming in because other family members aren't able to acquire work or, or keep work at this time, these households would certainly become more vulnerable. And current ongoing work right now is attempting to really unpack that, looking at COVID obviously as kind of the, um, the biomedical or, or, or health um, risk, but also in terms of finances, in terms of mental health as well. And so hopefully over the next several months, we'll be able to objectively quantify the financial impact that COVID has had on some of these older, older individual headed households. And speaking particularly to the structure of households, Dr. Wagner, how relevant is household structure along with population age distribution to the risk of transmission of COVID-19? 
So, Sipo Sisle, that's, that's another great question, you know, and, and obviously the necessary regulations have also highlighted that in terms of social distancing. So we know that in, a, in an area that's more densely populated, there's a greater chance of risk, a greater chance of transmission of, of the virus. And so as you rightly say, you know, if there are six or seven individuals sharing a room and, and some of those individuals have pre-existing comorbidities, asthma, maybe COPD or, or, or some sort of lung, lung condition, or if they're older, then absolutely their risk of acquiring COVID is a lot higher. And, and again, this is, this is something that we're very interested in exploring and, and something nationally that, that there is work underway with um, Professor Cheryl Cohen, specifically in rural Pumalanga, to answer that very question, what is the risk of, of transmission or acquisition within a household? And like you rightly point out, what what are the aspects of, of the household structure that could potentially affect that transmission? So you're absolutely right. Um, and, and we, you know, firmly believe that higher population density, smaller areas, um, not adhering to the social distancing um, would certainly put somebody at greater risk. And as we know, if you're older, um, you are at an increased risk. And so that's especially important to, to consider um, for those of us that live with, with older family members or, or grandparents. Now, Dr. Wagner, how important is social connection in the absence of things like education? Could this act as a buffer against cognitive loss? Certainly. And, and Gamalise, what you raise is, is really an important point. And, and it's something that, you know, I, I'd like your listeners to really, you know, walk away from as well. Cognition is, is complicated, you know, and the, and the factors, whether protective factors or the risk factors, um, are interwoven. Um, in the sense that, you know, we know that there's certain protective risk factors. We've been talking about social interaction and there's certain, um, you know, risk factors that um, would, would cause, you know, an increase or, or I should say decrease in cognition, increase in impairment. And so social interaction is very, very important. And especially uh, during this time of COVID, you know, um, any type of interaction is, is good and important. Um, and as I've been saying, you know, to, to, to my colleagues and, and friends, you know, I think each one of us, regardless of our age, has a mandate to reach out to, to our older family members and older friends um, and make sure that they're doing okay during this time and promote social interaction. You know, um, now that we're in level one of lockdown, there is more movement allowed and, and maybe visits are, are allowed, but it's important as we've just discussed to recognize the vulnerability um, that older, older age places on these folks, but, but still, to wherever possible promote, promote social interaction and engage in social interaction. Even if it's as simple as, you know, picking up the phone and, and calling your, your, your go-go or, you know, calling an old family member and seeing how they're doing, or, you know, even an old fashioned letter, um, any type of social, social interaction, anything that kind of keeps the brain active is really good and, and can help to promote cognitive health and, and prevent or slow down uh, cognitive impairment. And Dr. Wagner, just to expand on that more, how did lockdown and limited socializing lead to a cognitive decline? Sure. So that's a really good question. And I think the simplest, simplest way of describing it is kind of like uh, imagining the brain as a muscle. Um, and what I mean by that is the brain, as we know, is comprised of, of millions of, of neurons and, and connections. And the thing is, if we don't use these connections, then they, they, they'll, they'll die, they'll atrophy, they'll go away. 
And, you know, as we age and in imaging studies, studies where we look at the brain, take pictures of the brain, we see that certain parts of the brain do shrink. And it's the same thing with social interaction. Obviously, you know, when I'm talking to you and, and you're talking to me, I have to think, you know, what you're saying. I have to understand what you're saying. Um, and I have to respond to what you're saying. And it's the same whether I'm talking to you or, you know, you're talking to your grandmother or grandfather or really anybody. And, and by communicating, we're able to kind of keep those pathways in the brain that are responsible um, for, for some of our cognition, keep them alive in a way. And, and so that's really, in a simple way, how, how cognitive decline occurs and how social interaction um, and, and social engagement can, can mitigate um, some of that decline. Unfortunately, you know, like I said, uh, some of this decline is is physiological. It's expected. It happens, and that's part of the aging process. And so, it's really not stopping the the um, or or per completely preventing the the um, cognitive decline that we see, but it's it's slowing it down in a way. It's changing the trajectory, if you will, of of the decline that's associated with aging. The advent of social distancing has dramatically impacted the mechanics of socializing and building and forging connections between human beings over this period. And I imagine the impact on the elderly is a lot uh, more complex and a lot more different to consider. Can you take us through how social distancing has indeed changed the landscape of the future of socializing and the ways in which we as the people who have to adapt to this new advent of social, of social distancing can adapt to the new climate? Sure, absolutely. And, and you know, there, there are probably, you know, folks out there, sociologists and anthropologists that are probably, you know, more of experts on this than, than me. You know, what I would say, though, is, and, and you're absolutely right, Gamalisle, you know, I think that COVID is really going to have a lasting impact on, on society and, and specifically in terms of how we interact. You know, even once you know, the, the levels of infections are, are close to zero. I think that there is going to be kind of this residual concern or worry that a lot of people, especially older people, people that feel more vulnerable because of this um, pandemic um, will, will have, you know, for the longer term. And, and I think that, you know, we as human beings are quite, um, um, we're, we're, we're quite innovative in, in the way that we, that we interact and we do things, you know, and, and we already have things like social media, things like Facebook, things like Instagram, which isn't really, it's, it's a different kind of type of, of social connection and social network. However, things like WhatsApp or Zoom or FaceTime, I think do allow us opportunities to interact safely in, in, the time of, in the time of COVID. And I think a lot of these technologies will carry through even after COVID. And I think one thing that will be important, you know, we, right now we use, you know, a lot of these technologies for, for our business or for, for schooling. Um, and, and certainly socially within, you know, socializing with friends or, or, or people of the same age. I, I think one thing, you know, me personally, I often forget is, you know, I can also use this to connect with older family members who have a cell phone or, or the like. And so I think, you know, it, COVID is going to have a lasting impact on us as a society, um, as, as, as a world. Um, and I think technology will be one way to overcome some of that. 
And I think, you know, just to say that the impact of COVID, I mean, we talk about these different waves of COVID, you know, the first wave of infection, the second wave, you know, I think we're also going to see waves of impact of COVID um, that are different than just infection. You know, obviously the first wave is infection and, and that's an acute wave. The second one being perhaps financial and, and third one being kind of the mental and cognitive impact that it will have and it will likely last forever um, or, or for, you know, some time. Um, and I should say too, you know, something like cognition isn't necessarily something that changes overnight. You know, it's a gradual process and happens over time. And so I think we're only beginning to unpack now the impact of COVID. And I think that there's a lot of unpacking yet to be done. And I think that the impact, like I've said, will continue to be felt um, for years to come. And Dr. Wagner, in times when it is impossible for socializing, are there any alternative means of developing and maintaining cognitive health, particularly for the older South African adults? Sure. So, like I mentioned you know, earlier, cognition is, is somewhat of a complex, um, complex entity, if you will. And so there's many things that one can do to look after their cognitive health. And some of these things that they, um, folks can do, and anybody can do it regardless of age, um, obviously it's, it's slightly more important um, as you age, or, or I should say considerably more important as you age. Um, but eating healthy, um, you know, getting, getting good sleep, um, trying to get out and exercise. Um, if you are hypertensive, you know, continuing to get your chronic medication, if you're on chronic medication and adhering to that, keeping your blood pressure low. If you are diabetic, again, you know, adhering to your diet or adhering to your medication, all of those things which we hear so often and so common um, about, you know, older adult health are just as applicable to, to cognitive health. And so those are other ways of ensuring that um, our, our cognitive health remains, remains strong. And those, those, again, are things that you know, older folks can do as well, um, above and beyond the, the attempt or, or above and beyond social interactions um, and, and seeking those. The continued forging of the connections we made using social media um, platforms at our disposal can protect against cognitive decline. Where could the focus be shifted towards? And how could this then help mitigate the effect of lockdown on older people? So, so that's a good question. And it's, it's not an area that I'm, you know, completely familiar with in terms of the social networking. When I'm talking about social interaction or social engagement, I'm talking more um, communication, whether it's, you know, um, verbal communication, so something like over the phone, or I'm even talking a face-to-face -face communication. Social networking is a slightly different kind of form of communication, if you will, where there's not kind of that direct face-to-face -face or voice-to-voice or -voice interaction. Um, and, and so it's a slightly different, um, a slightly different type of, of social engagement or social interaction. And I'm sure that studies have been done looking at that. Um, I, I'm just not as familiar with that side of, of the social interaction or social engagement. The type that I'm, I'm kind of referring to is more, again, that face-to-face -face or, or that verbal interaction that we find to be so important um, for for cognitive, um, cognitive aging and, and, and cognitive well-being. Um, and so I think, you know, if we're able to really kind of harness those types of, of, of social networking, again, whether it's, you know, WhatsApp or FaceTime, kind of the, the voice over IP type, or even a cell phone call, you know, that, that I think in terms of cognition and, and cognitive health will benefit one more than perhaps, you know, looking, looking at Facebook. 
um, or, or, or Instagram. Um, that said, you know, it is better perhaps than, than doing nothing at all. Um, but I do think it's, it's really the, the face-to-face or voice-to-voice engagement, the real-time engagement that is uh, truly beneficial to, to um, cognitive health. And lastly, Dr. Wagner from me, what can be done to help the elderly during this time, especially with the threat of a second lockdown looming due to the second wave of COVID-19? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the first thing I think that we all can do is recognize that the older people in our society are at an especially vulnerable, specifically vulnerable time right now. Um, You know, obviously, as we've spoken about earlier, uh, COVID is um, COVID is an infection that disproportionately um, affects older people in terms of the severity that we see and in terms of recovery. And so I think that recognition is really important because then that can drive us to the second thing. And that's after recognition of, of kind of the situation that older people may find themselves in, it's really helping them um, in their activities of daily living. So whether it's helping them to go to the shops um, and, and get food, making sure that they're okay, um, helping them to um, collect their chronic medication or to get their pension. I think that that's really, really important. And I think, you know, a very simple thing that we can all do is, again, just pick up the phone um, and call or text our grandmother, our grandfather, our older uncles or aunts, and just thank them for what they've done. Um, and so I think that those are some of the things that we can do. Um, to, and, and through that, you know, we can all get, get through this, this difficult time together. Dr. Ryan Wagner, he is a researcher at the South African Medical Research Council, as well as the Witz Court Research Unit in Bumalanga. He is also the co-author of the study titled Social Contact, Social Support and Cognitive Health in a Population-Based Study of Middle-Aged Men and Older Men and Women in Rural South Africa. Dr. Wagner, for members of the public or anyone else just interested in reading up on your work, can you point us into the direction of where your study can be accessed if it is at all available? So uh, first of all, I mean, I'd be happy for anybody who's interested to get in contact directly with me. My email is just Ryan, full stop, Wagner, uh, W-A-G-N-E-R at vitz.ac.za. The other really good resource, um, and I should mention that this specific study forms part of a larger body of work on health and aging in Africa. Um, and it's a longitudinal study that we began about um, five years ago, and hopefully we'll continue for the next five years, 10 years even. Um, that can be, all, all of that information, all, all of kind of the results of that study can be found on the, on the HOLSI um, website. The HOLSI study is, is the name of the study. Um, and that's just www.holsi, H-A-A-L-S-I dot org, uh, O-R-G. And finally, um, to learn a little bit more about some of these other studies that I talked about looking at COVID, one can turn towards the, uh, to, to the Agincourt website, which is just www.agincourt, A-G-I-N-C-O-U-R-T dot C-O dot Z-A. So all of those would be able to direct somebody to this specific study that we talked about, as well as some of the other works looking at COVID and generally rural population health um, in, in Mpumalanga. Dr. Ryan Wagner is a researcher at the South African Medical Research Council slash Witz Agincourt Research Unit in Mpumalanga, and he's just joined us as a guest on the COVID report at this time. He is also the co-author of a study titled Social Contact, Social Support, and Cognitive Health in a Population-Based Study of Middle-Aged and Older Men and Women in Rural South 
Africa. Joining us here on the show to talk us through the ways in which the pandemic has adversely impacted the elderly and how we, as those taking care of the elderly, can step up our efforts to make sure that life is as comfortable for them as humanly possible. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or streams by www.varfm.co.za.